y'all. Welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I'm your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where I get to walk alongside you and connect you with people and resources so you know that you don't mom alone. And in this episode number 329, I'm bringing back one of my fun friends. We are going to have a fantastic conversation all around body shame. What's even more interesting is that inside the church, we take some of those perceived weaknesses and people listening should know I'm, I'm using like air quotes because yeah. I actually don't necessarily think of wrinkles as a weakness. I think of them as like a sign of getting older and that is a good thing and that's a beautiful thing. Um, and so it's so interesting how we've taken some of those things, stretch marks or wrinkles or like weight oh, gain like, when yeah, you're yeah, yeah. carrying yeah. a baby, like, and we've attributed righteousness or the lack thereof to them. And if you want to talk about something that I think grieves God's heart, I would say that feels like one, Mm. you know, that Mm -hmm. we assume people are more gifted or we assume people are more loved or more lovable or more honored or favored by God if they fit our current American cultural standards of what beauty looks like. Yeah. And it gets reinforced. That's a bummer. And it gets reinforced. And like, oh, it, let's let's throw in motherhood. Like, yeah. obviously, like, we have this unspoken thing that like, kind of tidy looking moms must be better moms. Mm-hmm. What? Mm. Says who? The people in the back. Yeah. <laughs> like, say, yeah. says who? You know, when did we, like, when did we decide that? In Jess's new book, Breaking Free from Body Shame, she has these words. She said, in the Bible, there is no mention of Mary Magdalene's thighs, Deborah's teeth, Ruth's waistline, Anna the prophetess forehead, Elizabeth's stretch marks, Eve's hair, Lewis's skin, Martha's tunic size, or the symmetry or lack thereof of Miriam's face, because the Lord looks at the heart. Their faithfulness was not defined by their bodies. Their capacity to be used by God was not defined by their bodies, and their bodies were never the most interesting or compelling parts of their story because the Lord looks at the heart. And I don't know about you, unfortunately, I've spent a lot of brain space, time, energy being held back by thoughts about my shape, my size, what happened to my body after having babies, and that may be you. Maybe you are, you just had your third or fourth baby, and you are weary of this journey of motherhood and what has happened to your body. Well, I'm prayerful that this conversation will help you see what God names good and to reframe the conversation so that you can have a shame-free summer, that you can live in the freedom that God has for you. Stick around. We're going to have details on summer of mentorship, and I'll tell you some of the great pre-order gifts if you go get Jess's book now when this episode releases. All right, let's get right to it. Here we go. Hey, Jess. Welcome back. (laughs) Hi, friend. I love being with you. Oh, I've been so excited about this episode. One, because I just love talking to you. Two, this is big, right? In fact, it feels so big to talk about body shame, particularly mom body shame, yeah, I'm a little nervous. I'll say something hurtful. Well, yeah, it's interesting. So let's like start there. I, yeah. um, because it is, it's big. It's like a, it's a huge rug in a living room that we've all just been walking over 
like over and over and over again, but it's very easy to trip over. And there are so many, there are so many things that are acceptable, not acceptable in culture outside of Christian culture, outside of the kingdom culture, that inside, sometimes we don't really know like what's good, what's wrong. It's interesting. You said you're nervous about it. I'm going to go on a tiny tangent, but here's this yesterday I had a photo shoot for the book and was shooting some like fun merch, some t-shirts we put together. Um, and I like to ask my friends to be in photo shoots and I've never had a, I've never had a book that I've worked so hard to be like cautious and careful and inclusive, not uh, of just so many different communities. So even inside the book, um, there are snippets at the end of each chapter from other women, because I knew we needed to hear from women who don't look like me, don't sound like me, who are differently abled, who live in different parts of the country, different parts of the world. Cause my singular perspective on this is not complete. Right. Um, and so I tried to mirror that also obviously in our photo shoot and I'm asking my friends and all that being said, I'm trying to, I'm trying to be really intentional to ask friends who, who have different like places on the body shame spectrum who struggle from different perspectives. And some of them, it was really vulnerable and hard for them to come. And they were like, I don't want to, I don't want to be, you know, number one, like I had a, I had friends like, I don't want to be your plus size friend who comes Mm. to the photo shoot. Um, Mm. I know you need to have plus size women. I don't want to be your plus size friend, but she did because she said like, this is important. Um, anyways, I woke up this morning to a few DMS from people who were like, I don't see enough plus size women. And I say that all the, just to say, like, I could see how, like, it's it's just this rug that we can trip over, but they didn't see my friend. I'm like, number one, she's in that video. Do you see her? Also, they didn't see how vulnerable and heavy and hard that felt for her to step up and be like, my body's good. I'm going to be a part of this conversation, too. And anyway, so I say that to say, if you say something wrong, if I say something wrong, I think you and I both know we'll be the first people to apologize and grow. But we have to have a conversation. We have to step into it. I mean, isn't that the epitome of shame is hiding? Like yeah. that is literally so good. What Adam and Eve did. Yep. Um, that is where it thrives, where it grows. And it is the enemy to say, well, don't talk about that because you might get it wrong. It's what keeps 100%. us from talking about the gospel. It keeps us from 100%. like hundred percent. So yes, let's have the conversation and it might get messy and trip we trip. And I think it's so interesting you got that feedback because I'm thinking. How many times have you looked back at old pictures of yourself? And I know, like in college, I legit know the amount I weighed was significantly less than what I weigh now on a scale. Mm -hmm. But I swear up and down, I looked in that mirror with my roommate and we analyzed every nook and cranny. Yep. And I remember other older upperclassmen, they were like, guys, you look amazing. And we just couldn't see it. So I'm thinking about even in that photo shoot, what if the quote unquote number on one of the gals clothing was two, four, whatever we would consider small, but her mind is saying she is not the messaging she's telling herself a hundred percent. She still fits in this. She still is carrying body shame no matter what the number is a hundred percent. And like, and don't we want freedom for her. Yeah. I don't. And, yeah. and why? And we can't, we really, really, really cannot do that qualifying thing where we're like, this is harder for some people. This is hard. You know, this is just hard. This is just hard. And the enemy is the enemy. The enemy of our souls is the enemy. Yeah. So we all need to do some battle. You know, we all need to do some work. Mm, that's so good, Heather. And specifically, I mean, we could talk from when we are 10, 11 years old and the yeah. bodies are starting to change. And some of this messaging starts to, I want to focus in on moms because, and I know 
um, we're narrowing in on moms who have had their children biologically. And so their bodies have shifted Mm -hmm. through that process and maybe multiple times. Yeah. But there's like a loss of self in some of that where like it goes beyond like I want to be a different number, but like I just want to feel like myself again. Yeah. I just want to be in my body. I just want to not have to like press some button that says like don't think about your body for for the next few years. Don't think about your pain. Don't think about your disappointment. Don't think about, you know, the physical boundaries that you might feel like you used to have regarding like someone not being in your space all the time. <laughs> physical. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, we, know, we know a lot of like what, what lives on the surface with moms and body shaming, right? The like, get your body back after baby. Um, Snap back snapback, um, all this. We know about that stuff on the surface. On Below the surface, there's a lot. I think for a lot of us, it's a lack of theology. It's a lack of understanding about like what our bodies are made for and, and whether or not they are good, implicitly good or not. And because of that, it, I think there is such a heavy temptation specifically in the really, really intense mothering years to really just try to like not be your body and not be in it or think disassociate from it to some degree and treat it like a project to get better, treat it like a problem to solve rather than being in it and experiencing it. So let's go back to you saying it's a theology. Mm -hmm. I want to hear a little bit about your journey. Like I'm sure you can relate to that mom. Yeah. So what, for you, because your husband's a pastor, you know theology, but like, yeah, what journey did you go on better? Yeah, so good. So for me, um, I my earliest memories are are feeling insecure in my body, feeling shame in my body, feeling like other, like there's so I'm I'm not quite right. I would say that only began my, my dis the disappointment and the disillusionment with my body only began to creep in when having children. So, um, whether it was like not being able to deliver naturally or experiencing a miscarriage, like, again, I felt like, okay, this is a pro this thing is a problem. Mm. Um, you know, I remember, I remember after my first kid, like knowing, knowing, having some understanding that my body would be different and, and being prepared for that. Um, and for me, after my second baby, my body just broke. I, um, got diagnosed with an, an autoimmune disease. And that's when I really started to realize like my body is different. It has very different constraints. It has different needs. It has different issues. And I got, I got angry about it. And I, um, I spent a few years treating that disease, like as if my body was a huge problem that just needed to be solved a project that needed to be completed. Um, and so even all of my, you know, healthier behaviors as a mom and as a, as a young mom with my kids being a little bit smaller, they weren't, they weren't rooted in love, but like extreme frustration. And so I spent a few years doing that. And then really what happened for me is I got to a place where I was so intensely struggling with body shame that I sent an email in the middle of the night that I, I do not remember sending to our mutual friend. You and I both know Elisa Keaton. She's the only health expert I've had on the show. Like I love it. I haven't really done out of 300, whatever 50, I haven't really done many episodes on like fitness. People come, I want to talk about fitness. I want to talk about diet. And I'm like, I, 
don't want to cover it unless Elisa comes on. Unless from Revelations of Elisa. If you want to go back to that episode, we'll link to it in the show notes. She's fantastic. Yeah. So you sent it to her. And what she I sent her an email in the middle of the night. I didn't remember sending. I woke up the next morning and found it in my inbox. And I essentially just said, help. Like I am in a pit Mm. and I hate my body. And I don't, I don't think I'm supposed to hate my body. Um, and essentially what I was asking her is like, help me get better physically. Like, will you help me make my body better? And she told me, you know, off the bat, she said, you, you may experience new, new levels of health or different things, but if you want to work with me, I'm going to be out for like the freedom of your heart. And if you want to get free, I'll be on your team. And so I started a pretty intensive coaching program with her probably right around the time I met you, maybe about a year before. Um, so this was back in 2014 ish, um, started yeah, some really intensive to, coaching with declare. her. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. We had definitely already declare. been working together yeah. then. I think at yeah. that point. Yeah. No, she's um, amazing. Okay. So you did the coaching. We started, we started working together and I started to really like get some like truth under my belt about my body, but still like sort of finding my way. And then really, honestly, like the day the gauntlet through, I wrote about it in the book, like the day I like drew a line in the sand is I live in Charleston, South Carolina, which is a beach community. So people spend all, you know, winter long getting their beach body ready and talking about it. And we spend a lot of time in bathing suits here in Charleston. And I was sitting with some gals in a coffee shop and a they were talking about getting their bodies ready for summer. And I said, I think my body's ready for summer. I think this is it. Like, I think this is my body now. And the gals said, okay, I mean, come on. Like we get it. You you know, like you're about God, but we live in America. Like we live in America and we live in Charleston. You know, this is what we do. And I said, without really knowing what I was saying, I said, my body lives in the kingdom. Mm. And I didn't really know what that meant, but I spent the next few years trying to figure it out and really asking, okay, what does God think about my body? What does God think about the fact that I don't necessarily always meet cultural standards? Like, what does he think? What does God think about my autoimmune disease? How does he feel about that? What can I see in scripture about about these weaknesses and these pain points that I'm working with? What can I expect from him? What would healing look like? What would freedom look like? It, do I want a freedom that is like meeting other people's standards? Is that what I want? Is that what I'm after? And so I just started asking all these questions while kind of just trying some different behaviors, like started just trying to say good things about my body to see what would happen. And lo and behold, it shifted. Um, not, not my body shifted, but how I felt shifted and how other people felt and how other people talked around me. And so, um, yeah, it's taken me a, the last few years of really digging and paying attention. And I'll be the first to say, I'm still really digging and paying attention to try to understand what God thinks about our bodies. But I, I would say we've got a theological problem in the church regarding bodies because like so many other things, we've just kind of copied and pasted what culture has said and like attributed God to it, but it's not at all what he says. So this really like performance mentality about our bodies that says like, if your body looks good, if it performs well, then you are good. That's what the world says. That's like the default, you know, tone. We've kind of taken that in the church and like co-opted it and said like, if your body performs well, and if your body looks good, then God loves you, then Mm -hmm. you're good to him. But that's absolutely like could not be further from what he says. I love that the first sponsor of this episode fits so perfectly with the topic of 
today. It is Function of Beauty, and it's my favorite customizable hair care product line. They let me try it out, and I got to go on there and pick and choose based on my own unique way God made me, which I think is what part of this conversation is about. How did God make you? And what I also love is it uses fantastic scents, which draws me back to our creative God who made so many different scents that just make our experience here on earth even more enjoyable. Do you love mango? Do you love rose, pear, eucalyptus? You get to pick and choose what kind of scents you want added to your product. And you can also have the peace of mind knowing that it's sulfate and paraben-free, vegan and cruelty-free. And there's over 60,000 real five-star customer reviews if you don't believe me. So go check it out. Go create your own aromatherapy session, a tropical getaway even, by making your own Function of Beauty product. So just go to functionofbeauty.com slash DMA to take your quiz and save 20% off the first order. That applies to their full range of customized hair and skin and body products. That's functionofbeauty.com slash DMA. Let them know you heard about it here. Get 20% off your order. It's functionofbeauty.com slash DMA. Drop us some truth. What's he say? What's he say? Well, first of all, he made us differently, intentionally, creatively, perfectly. So this idea that we would all be striving to look the same And that we would call like, even to some degree that healthy is in direct contradiction to the way he makes things. And for the gal, like you just talked about your autoimmune disorder. Yeah. I have some thyroid situations going on here. Hashimoto's all over my genetics. And then there are gals that I know with a lot of what would seemingly be imperfect diagnoses. Right. How do we, because I'm sure immediately when you said perfectly, she's like, not me, not me. Right. So, right. That's like, right. We need a, we need a, Mm -hmm. we need a theology that, that understands like he made us good, but, and we live under the effects of a fallen world. So because we live in a world that experiences sin, our bodies also experience pain and weakness and God is grieved over that. It does. It does not make him happy. It was not his best life now planned for us. And yet he uses it for his glory and our good. Yeah. Um, and so I say, I, I'm kind of working with a theory called the kingdom body mindset, kingdom body mindset. Like I, I'm still trying to figure out what it means, but here are some things I know about it. It means we have a king and he's good. So, and our king isn't just good. He's also kind. And he says, I don't just want you to be my servants. I want you to be my friends. And I made you and I made you with intention and creatively and also where I interact with you right now is on earth. And it's not always going to be this way, but right now you're going to experience pain and trauma and heaviness and heartache and weakness and sickness. And I do not like that. It actually brings me grief. It makes me sad that you're sad. It makes me sad that you're in pain. And I'm going to use my power to help you experience strength, even in those weak moments. I'm going to comfort you in those weak moments. Um, And sometimes I'm going to use my power to bring like actual healing so that you don't experience that weakness and you don't experience pain. And, And our good king can do any of all of those things. 
But there's more than that. There's like a story after the right now, which is eternity and that we are going to experience ultimate redemption and restoration. Um, but it's interesting. We, we don't, we don't know definitively what that's going to look like. I've now read a million different perspectives <laughs> on what our eternal bodies are going to look like. And I'm less sure than when I started researching, but this, I know that the perfection, the, the restoration, the renewal we're going to experience. I'm, I'm sure about this. I don't think it means that when Jesus comes back, I'm going to look like Kim Kardashian. Cindy Crawford, if we're going <laughs> way back. I don't think I'm going to look like Cindy Crawford. I yeah. don't think that God's best life now, renewal, restoration, healing for me is like a size four with like a perfectly tidy button nose. I think he actually loves the personality and the expression with which he used to create me. And so, and so then we're like all the way back to the beginning of mm. like, and also he's creative yeah. and also he's good. And also he's loving. Mm. And so much of like the new Testament when it talks about, well, there's the whole flesh spirit painting flesh is bad spirit. Yeah. good, But yeah. then Paul saying the thorn in my flesh. Okay. This is new. This is coming from, Beth Moore's Galatian study. Ooh, but I, had I have it on my desk. I had a moment. They're talking about Paul. They're talking about his weakness. And I was thinking, they were thinking a lot of scholars or commentators think it's his eyes because later he's writing yeah. the letters really large. And I thought, oh right, my gosh. Right, right. His encounter with Jesus was he was blinded. He was blinded. Why You're would not that wrong. not be his weakness in a world that was very dependent on sight? for living. Wow. And then this like really strong person who's like been persecuted and is now like super dependent wow. on others, on God because of his encounter with Jesus. I'm like, oh my gosh. I've literally never thought about that. That's I hadn't beautiful. either. Could be, could either. be, could be a million different things. Could it be Hashimoto's. Could be a million different things, but I believe Paul is in heaven, in the kingdom, future seeing mm. mm-hmm. the body that was created, encountered Jesus yeah. on this earth because we are cells and yeah, that much light and glory we can't sustain without damage. Yeah. Because of how DNA and tissue yes. works. So he had a weakness here, but it was a strength that God used yeah. to grow. Anyway. But so he, and, and even just saying that, I feel like, you know, what, if we started the conversation and saying yeah. like, Hey, we, we need a theology that covers this. I think a lot of times when people hear the word theology, myself included, we're like, Oh, oh no, oh no. <laughs> this like something that's going to be heavy or hard that's to understand yeah. or like yeah. too big. But in, in the most simple way, let's even like pause there and say like, okay, so blindness, mm-hmm. like different disabilities or differently abled situations that, that we would universally agree, like that is hard. That is harder yeah. to live with. Yeah. Um, that that makes your you experiencing Earth different. Okay, so you're saying like I be, I believe Paul's going to be able to see, or let's say that's his thorn that he sees well in heaven. Like we love that. So he, that let's put that pillar down, and then it kind of creates this room for us to say like, so now let's talk about your thighs. Do you think that's something God wants to fix? Hmm. Like, is it a weakness because right. they're a different size or is it just, or is it just like a creative God who made some women like more shapely? Yeah. You know, 
And, and that leads us back to okay, then all the things of, you know, motherhood, like where I would say like my friends who struggle with infertility, I hear from so many women who say like, listen, this is the thing for me. This is the struggle for me or secondary infertility or just like mm-hmm. incredibly hard pregnancies. I would say like that feels like to me an effect of our fallen world that, that grieves God's heart. Yeah. Um, I think he loves this thing that he made about women that makes them want to bring life into the world. I believe it grieves his heart when that's not available to them physically. Um, so that I'm like, yeah, that's something I think he wants to wipe away every tear. I think he wants to hand them spiritual motherhood. I think he makes beautiful things happen via adoption, et cetera, et cetera. But like, talk to me about like the wrinkles on your forehead. Like, do I think he's like crying over that one? Hmm. I don't know. Or the weight gain that goes along with or the, the weight infertility gain that goes along with the infertility process. Yeah. And the just the like the tension in the marriage and all the things that come with. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. So like, yeah, how do we yeah, wrinkles? So then yeah. The so the, and, and that's what I mean. In that like that's like theology that makes us think. Hmm. You know, that just makes us say, like, okay, what it what does he want to restore? What does he want to renew? What does grieve his heart? And, and more so even than my like next follow-up question, because, you know, you and I know each other like I, I'm, I'm like the least of the tidy people. I'm not like writing all the great theories in the book. I basically just want to sit with someone and ask questions that make us all think, right? Yeah. yeah that make yeah. us understand God and like leave us more in awe of him. But so then my next follow-up question is like, what's even more interesting is that inside the church, we take some of those perceived weaknesses and people listening should know I'm, I'm using like air quotes because yeah. I actually don't necessarily think of wrinkles as a weakness. I think of them as like a sign of getting older and that is a good thing. And that's a beautiful thing. Um, and so it's so interesting how we've taken some of those things, stretch marks or wrinkles or like weight oh, gain like, when yeah, you're yeah, yeah. carrying yeah. a baby, like, and we've attributed righteousness or the lack thereof to them. And if you want to talk about something that I think grieves God's heart, I would say that feels like one, hmm. you know, that mm-hmm. we assume people are more gifted or we assume people are more loved or more lovable or more honored or favored by God if they fit our current American cultural standards of what beauty looks like. Yeah. And it gets reinforced. That's a bummer. And it gets reinforced. And like, oh, let's let's throw in motherhood. Like, obviously, like, we have this unspoken thing that like, kind of tidy looking moms must be better moms. (laughs) What? Mm. says who the people in the back yeah <laughs> like se- yeah. says who you know when did we like when did we decide that you know yeah. mm. oh man and there's this thing like i'm as as we're asking questions like i know there are seasons in my own journey of this mm-hmm. where i can look through pictures of like mm-hmm. grieving the loss of my dad and taking care for my mom and of my mom mm-hmm. through her cancer journey and my body or my health, let's not even talk about like size, just like my health yeah, right, yeah. was the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. And I look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't even recognize myself. Like yeah. I don't, that's not me. And I think in that it wasn't like, well, then I'd better get back to a size X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Myself up. But more just like I had to meet with God and deal with some bitterness I was holding against him. Sure. Like release that, confess that, get healing for that. And it was like an, then an inside out situation. It wasn't like a program I signed up for that was like, well, I tried the programs actually. I tried them. Yeah. And that wasn't doing it. My body 
wasn't moving. My demeanor wasn't changing. My anger wasn't resolving. But the internal work of healing that bitterness, I don't know. There was like a transformation that I can see in pictures. A hundred percent. And so let's talk about that. So like, I feel like, okay, right. If we're having this deep conversation with our mom friends. So then I feel like the next question is like, so what? So do we not take care of ourselves? Like, right. so, so what? You just eat yeah. whatever you want. Like, right, right, so right, you right. don't ever if take your care body's of your body. a temple, right? Everyone's like, oh, your body's a temple and God's living there. So you need to honor him and like lose 20 pounds. Right. Right. Well, number one, let's, let's That's start so, there the and say like, yeah. Yeah. Number one, like, um, if we're going to have the body as a temple conversation, I'm down 110%. I just am not going to, uh, make any agreements or constellations that agrees with that. Like the goal is the American standard, right? Yep. Because yep. that's America, not the kingdom. Um, so then we're like, okay, well, then what is the standard? What is the standard? What, mm-hmm. what does it mean to, for you to treat your body like a temple? And that's where I would say like the crux of, uh, breaking free from body shame, the crux of, for me, the kingdom body mentality is, do you treat your body as if it is loved or as if you want it to be lovable? Are you trying to make it good? Are you trying to treat it as if it is good? Because when I treat my body as if it is good, as if it was made good, and I want to steward that, I'm going to move it 100%. I'm going to, I'm going to move it. I'm going to pay attention to that autoimmune disease. I'm going to pay attention to its constraints and confines. I'm going to feed it nutritious food. I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to water it. I'm going to rest it. And also like, let's just say for me, so one thing is like diatribe. One thing I, uh, I wasn't, is diatribe the right word there? I don't even care. Do it. What? Tell me. I want to know. Left turn, but like not really. That's okay. what I mean. Yeah. I one thing I didn't anticipate in publishing the book, which I should have, is that the more I talked about it, the more I have gotten DMs from doctors, professionals, oilers who have said, like, I could help you with this. I could help you with that. Um, and to which I'm like, oh, 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 I forgot this was gonna happen. Um, so here's the problem. I think that a lot of them are right. Like, I think that I could follow certain people's plans and actually like finally lose my baby weight from, you know, my baby's eight. So I think I could, I could follow their plans. I I could beat my body into the ground and um, do those things. It just wouldn't be freedom for me. It wouldn't be treating my body as if it's loved. It wouldn't be loving it. It would be working really hard and beating my body to fit cultural standards, which is actually not my goal. I just want to love my body. I want to I want to treat it well. So anyways, all that being said, like, that's it for me. Are you treating your body as if it's loved? Or are you trying to make it lovable? Are you treating it as if it's already good? Or are you trying to make it good? And those things on the outside can look very different for different people. You know, it's such a personal question, but that to me is like, is the mic drop for all of us? Like, are, are we trying to make it good? Are we agreeing it's good? Maybe you're like us, and when you hang out with your adult friends, everybody starts sharing what shows they've been watching. Well, you can add to that conversation with some new shows that you've watched on Acorn TV, because Acorn TV is the largest commercial-free British streaming service. It features compelling stories, exclusive premieres, originals you're not going to find anywhere else. Shows like Midsummer Murders, if you're into a little homicide and blackmail and greed, betrayal, you know, all the naughty stuff. Also, Murdoch Mysteries. So in this beloved award-winning Canadian series, 
There's Detective William Murdoch, and he solves turn-of-the-century Toronto's most intriguing mysteries with the help of Constable Crabtree and Dr. Julia Ogden and Inspector Breckenridge. It is hailed as an inventive twist to history. So if you want to check these shows out and so many more, you get thousands of hours of new and enthralling content on Acorn TV for a fraction of the cost to most streaming service, just $5.99 a month. If you're ready for a streaming service that offers new stories, new characters, breathtaking scenery every week, do what I did and get Acorn TV. You can try it for free for 30 days. Just go to acorn.tv. Use my promo code DMA, but you have to enter the code in all lowercase letters. That's acorn, A-C-O-R-N dot T-V. And use that code in lowercase DMA to get your first 30 days for free. And I think that hits with the, like I told you, an email I saw today about hiding, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like bab- bathing suits to hide X, Y, and Z part of your body. And I've, d- I mean, we all buy the, what, the drapey things or we think through, <laughs> can I make this look good? Yeah. Based on X, Y, and Z. But if I'm already thinking it is good, so you're in my closet see this i love it yes this, uh-huh. this is like an orangey red shirt so i did this like color house of color thing where you go in no yeah. makeup just your hair and they drape you in different colors i think it's popular where you are too but anyway and they tell you this is like old school like our moms yeah like what yeah season yeah then you are you're a spring or whatever what i are am you? i'm a, you're a spring yeah yeah good call you knew um i, d- I, I, I didn't was, know that was a guess it, okay so all my life i thought i was an autumn like my whole life, because I've got reddish hair. My mom just said, you're an autumn. But like, there's an element to that that's like, I was made with this skin tone and this hair color, and it was decided it was good. And I am choosing how to adorn it mm. to accentuate what's already there. Not Come on. fit into a trend that says, well, I need to wear all the Madewell colors. Unfortunately, those are not my colors. And as much yeah. as I really want to be a made well girl, made well. Yep. I, this is it's been kind of freeing. And like so only good. my I was homeschooled for a long time, super awkward, very much outsider messaging, <laughs> very much. And so it's like, oh, I just follow trends so I fit in. Yeah. But no, this has been super freeing to be like, no. And you know what? When I wear these all the compliments. It doesn't matter what size, shape, number. It's like people see me come out more. Yeah. It highlights me, who God made me, and I'm not fitting in a trend. Anyway, I just, what you're saying made me think of that. Like, am I trying, am I believing that I'm good or am I trying to look good? And I think there's this like owning me. Yeah. My body. I mean, maybe it's something that happens when you're in your 40s. It'd be great if it started when you were 10. I think it could. I think it can. I think we can have the conversations when when women are 22 or when they're 32 or when they're 12. Yeah. And I will tell you that I genuinely believe, and I know you do too, like this is why we write books. This is why we have podcasts because we actually believe that God can change things for our generation, for the ones to come. And so 
let's say this about motherhood. Like, okay, right. Let's talk about motherhood. <laughs> you know, like we apparently, ugh, bummer, can't control our kids. <laughs> what? <laughs> like we can't make them do things or not do things. And Oot. we can't like follow some perfect equation and get perfect kids. Bummer. So what I'm about to say is not me saying like, I did this. I built this. I'm not saying that. I'm saying like, this is a gift from God, but I want to share it with you. Um, my daughter is 13 and she thinks she's beautiful hmm. and she's right. Hmm, she is. And she looks in the mirror and she's like, oof, oof, I look good. And she's not wrong. And some of that is how God's written her story. And some of that is like just her personality. And I'm also going to get to tell you a piece of fruit about it is that also she's never heard me say anything bad about my body. Not once in her entire life. Mm. Because I was in the midst of this freedom journey as she was growing up. She's never seen me like pinch my thighs. Mm. Um, she's never seen me cover up my cellulite. She's never heard me say, I don't love my body. And even on my worst days, you know, she's seen me bless my body. Now, that's not to say, again, I want to say, like, that's not like I did this thing because if she did for some reason have really big body image issues, that it wouldn't be like, well, that's my fault. Right. Um, right I don't, right, right. I don't believe that my body image issues were my mom's fault. I remember feeling very other in my body, my very first memory. And I don't remember someone telling me that my body was wrong. It was, it was like an issue that, that the enemy like came for me about. So, but I am saying like, I have a lot of hope for the 12 year olds. I have a lot of hope for the two year olds, because I think if we can speak to a generation of moms who are in their homes right now and say, Hey, this freedom that, that you've like, maybe never even considered possible was actually purchased for you on the cross of Christ. And you are not the variable, like however broken your story is, however much pain you've experienced, however you look, you are not the variable. If you believe in Jesus and you be, believe in salvation, then you believe in, in his capacity to help you break free from body shame. And this does not actually have to be like the main issue, we don't, that, that, that 97% of women say they struggle with body image issues. That number does not have to be the given for the next generation. It can change. It can shift. Mm. Is it on purpose that this comes out right before summer? It is. Um, and I'll tell you more than it's on purpose about when it comes out. Yeah. Cause I would have it come out a little bit sooner. You know what I'm saying? Because like, <laughs> Really, let's be honest, we start thinking about summer and we start having the summer body conversations in April. So I would have been like, let's have it in April. But the the true story of like the timing is that I've I've always thought I wanted to write a body image book. Um, I had no plans to write a book in 2020. I had written a book a year for every year for about six years. I was like, I cannot, I cannot write another book in 2020. I'm taking the year off. I I was gonna take the year off hard and fast. And um in like March 4th of the beginning of March, I had a conversation with my editor and she said, Hey, I think, I think it's the body book next. I think we need to do the body book next. I was like, Oh, I'm so scared. But like, maybe you're right. We'll see pandemic hit, you know, March 15th. Um, and I absolutely forgot about it. And again, I wasn't going to be writing a book in 2020 at all. And she called me about halfway through April and she said, Hey, let's you and me think real quick. This thing is kind of hanging on. We're all about six weeks in. How do you think women are going to feel when they come out of this? Yeah. And I was like, crap. You're right. right. She was mm-hmm. like, well, how are they going to feel about their bodies? And I was like, they're going to hate them. 
she was like, you want to write that book? I was like, I'll have it to you in, a, in about four weeks. <laughs> it's so been, we just, it's been, res- it's been just it ruminating. Been yeah, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. I actually yeah. went to my family. I went to, we had like an adult family dinner and I've never done this before in, in any of my books. Um, I'm, I've actually never told this story. I might cry talking about it. Okay. I've never done this with any of my books, but I, we had like a family dinner. We were only seeing our family at the time we were in like a quarantine pod and my mom and my, my stepdad and my little sister were there and my sister and my brother-in-law and Nick, we were all on the porch. And I, it had been a few days after that call. And I don't know why, but I felt like I needed to ask their permission Mm-hmm. And they've just lived this story with me. And at the time, I didn't know what the book was going to be like, but it's really not a lot of my story. We ended up taking a lot of my story out and again, putting in other women's stories. But at the time, I just thought this is going to be a lot. I felt I felt for Nick. I was like, this is a lot to have a wife tell really intimate stories about how she feels about her body. And I felt that for my mom and my sisters. And so I just told them, I said, guys, I think God is asking me to write this. And I think it's going to be vulnerable. And I, I also said, I think I'm going to write it fast. And for whatever reason, I felt really insecure about that. I don't know why, but I was like, I'm not, it's, it's not, I'm not going to research it for six months. Like I'm going to go in and I'll never forget my brother-in-law for whatever reason, um, like got tears in his eyes. And he was like, this is the book you've been writing for 30 years. Just write it, Mm -hmm. just get it out. Mm -hmm. And I did, it just came out in four weeks. And, um, and I was like, right. Cause we got to get this in women's hands because this is going to be a situation. Yeah. It is such a situation. I I feel it like it's an interesting thing. We all grieved in our own unique ways mm-hmm. the last year, mm-hmm. all the different losses. And I know mm-hmm. like, and with stress and there's actual hormone things that cause your body to shift and change. And that's grace. Like give yourself grace. Right. Like, right. Yeah. Your body is good that it got you through a global pandemic. Right. Right. Whatever happened in the midst of that. And I think some of it is even like this, I don't know, messaging we were believing before that when we were in hiding, that we treated our bodies a different way because no one would see. Yeah. I don't know. Like there was that element for me. Like, yeah, I'll just eat more of this crap because no one's going to see. I developed, I'll I mean, drink I'll be the a little first bit more cocktails 100%, because say it, say yeah. it a hundred percent. I'll, I'll, I'll be the first to say like, so, right. If the question is like, so what you don't, so you do you eat healthy now all the time. Like, let me tell you that during the pandemic, I developed an intense addiction to tortilla chips. Oh my um, gosh. Like, you're speaking my love language. Yes. Intense. Like yes. for Salsa breakfast, and for chips. snack. Yes. Um, and then actually getting COVID, uh, oh, okay. t- tortilla chips were the only things I could taste. So Bless. then it's like a weird, it like imprinted on my heart and my soul. And to the point now I'm like wrestling with God. Like when I'm scared, I want a tortilla ship. I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> like well, that's I, that, it. Yeah. There's, there's that too. You know, yeah, like I'm, too. when I'm, yeah, yeah, when I'm yeah. sad, when I'm scared, when I'm tired, all I want is a tortilla chip. Just one. God, just yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Keep going. I'm sorry. I just had to. Yeah. No, I'll but that is, yes. that is literally like part of it too, was I had to wrestle with, am I going to the cocktail in my stress? Yep. Because that feels like an easy fix. I mean, this is what people wrestle with when it comes to addictions to alcohol, drugs, yeah. food. I mean, this yeah. is real stuff and it goes outside of like 
body image and how big am I getting or how small am I getting? It's more just like, where's my dependency lie? And I think there's a lot of that wrestling that's happening coming out. Yep. All of it. All of it. And, and so, I mean, I would say, yeah, like where is, again, are you treating your body as loved or maybe like, are you trying to find love for your body? Yeah. Or you comfort, know? like where? Or comfort, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like it's real. It's real. And sometimes the tortilla chips are about celebrating and sometimes they're about like glory yeah. to God. And and I, I'm glad you like went through with cocktails. I'm like, sometimes the cocktail is about celebrating and, and giving glory to God. And sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's about hiding. The thing is not the thing. Yeah. Trying to press the button, you know? And so it's not a tidy answer. And that's why, I mean, I I say in the book, I'm like, I need to tell you, you know, full disclosure, like there is not a diet plan in this. This is not a plan. Listening to the Holy Spirit about your body is not a plan. Nobody can give you a diagram. There's not a single chart. I'm so sorry, but Mm -hmm. I do believe it's freedom to listen Mm -hmm. to God. And there's so much. I mean, I feel like the amount of, wounding for women that I've prayed with that's related to the body. Yeah. It's got to be good for the enemy to attack it. Yeah. Yeah. He's got to know the power of what we could do. To wow. Heather, that's good. The body. If he attacks it. You're right. You're right. If the enemy you gotta believes know it's it, good. can't we believe better than the enemy? Like, wow. You're right. That's it. That's it. No one's ever said it that way to me before. And that's, you're right. It's got to be good. It's got to be where the fruit is. It's got to be where the hope is. And it is, it's where we experience God. It's where we experience people. It's where we experience our calling. It's where it's, it's so important, but yeah, the enemy's got to know it's good if he's attacking it. Woo. So good. Well, okay. We're going to point people to your book, obviously breaking free from body shame, dare to reclaim what God has named good. And they can mm-hmm. connect with you. We're going to put all the connection points. And uh, y'all, I know this may have just raised a lot in you. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so much, even from the moment I saw your cover in some email, like last summer, I was like, oh my gosh, she's going there. We need her to. So let's all be good to each other. Like, yeah, Dallas is its own unique breed when it comes to this. I don't I would know. Imagine. I would imagine. I mean, I was really nervous to move here from Indiana. I was like, I'm not wearing makeup to work out. I'm not doing all the things. So I know every community has its own struggle in this. And it may be the opposite where it's just like every, no one's caring about their health. And it's like a shame in a different way. And right. I just think, anyway, you're our leader, our guide to a, rev- what is it? A revolution? Let movement. it be. Yeah. A, a, a revival a or something. A movement. A movement. Let's go. Because yeah. their bodies were moving. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for being with us and appreciate you. I appreciate you. I love you. I'm so glad for the work you're doing for, for moms and for women in general in our generation. You're so kind. It's been a long journey, friend. I love you. going. Let's not Let's give go. up. Come on. So Jess's book comes out June 22nd. If you're listening before that date, I want to tell you about some of her fantastic pre-orders. I think 
she's a genius. First, she has good body gals. If you pre-order one book, you can join this group of women. It's a movement of freedom. There's weekly gatherings. They have meditation. There's a body image coach. There's biblically based truth. You're going to move your body. You're going to get your mind right. There's also a body shame detox if you pre-order two books. She just announced that. And that's going to be like um, a place where you can get instruction, logical, practical tools to start demolishing strongholds of shame in your life, in your community. She's going to give you all that insight. So go check that out over on her website, jessconnelly.com. And let's pray. This is a battleground. I really feel like, man, if we could be using our bodies for the good God intended, what could happen if all of us moms did that and dads and kids? Come on. So Lord, we pray for supernatural freedom and a breaking free from whatever shame the enemy has tried to place on our bodies over the years. Whatever messages we received from the enemy or from others outside of us, conditioning by the world and the culture, I pray that we would lean into the truth of what you say about how you made us in your word that we would lean into the power of the Holy Spirit to transform us from the inside out so that we could walk in freedom this summer into the year with all the good things that you've planned in advance for us to do. I pray for Jess and for her team as they launch this book. I pray that you would fill them with a peace and a comfort as they are walking and leading hand in hand with so many women to a new place, a place where they can trust you first. They can lean on you most and not be held back by any of the things the world wants to hold them back by. I pray for all the daughters and sons coming up under us that they would believe rightly about how you made them. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Summer of Mentorship is happening June 21st. So gather your people. We will be giving you discussion questions. These episodes are going to be republished episodes that will show up in your podcast feed. You don't have to sign up for anything special there. The questions will be in the show notes. Uh, We just want to give you a taste of a podcast club. It's six weeks, and you can decide if maybe you only want to do three of them or two of them or only one of them. We keep it pretty lax around here. We want to make it real organic, but we want to support you and give you a chance to be with moms in real life. I can only do so much. I don't know your whole story. But my hope is that I can encourage you to meet with people in your community, that they can know your whole story, that they can know how to meet your needs um, and be the body of Christ to you. Oh, there you go. Body of Christ, body. It's all good. And next week, meet me back here because we're going to talk with Dana White. Uh, A slob comes clean. She's going to help me out on my uh, decluttering issues and how to feel a little bit better about keeping my home, especially this summer. So I'll see you here next week. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, head over to don'tmomalone.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I want you to know the good news, the great news that you're not alone because God has promised to always be with you. With faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again, Jesus said when he left, he was going to leave a helper, a comforter to be with us. God in us, moms, that's superpower. So while you're washing dishes at your kitchen sink, while you're driving to and from work, 
While you're feeding that baby late into the night, while you're cleaning sticky floors, God promises to be just as present with you as when you're worshiping in a church pew. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Now that's good news. Have a great day.